Well, Brondon, clearly one major talking point in the game. Everybody been asking for it. We've got VAR. And is there yet more drama to come here? I'm obviously really, really happy with VAR. Ask us to the VAR people, please. Don't ask to me. For me, it's very clear. VAR is for say, is good or is not good. The VAR brings the truth to the game and everybody accepts it. Welcome to the VAR booth podcast. I'm your host, Coach H, and today we're talking about how to watch a soccer match. My guest today is the technical director of the French Football Academy in New York, Coach Yannick. Coach Yannick, how are you? Good, good, good. I'm here. Thanks for having me. Congratulations on the show. It's good to see that you're putting out some good material for coaches and soccer fans to listen to in these times. So congratulations for that. Awesome. So you're going to talk to us about how we need to watch a soccer match from different perspectives, mostly uh, for coaches and soccer players. Um, All right, let's talk about before the game even starts. What are you doing uh, in preparation of this match? Yeah, let me just say first that uh, it's it's. These are my ideas to how I watch a match. Uh, I'm sure everybody else has their own way of watching, but I'm just going to share some some pointers that I've learned from from watching a lot of matches and and doing some match analysis to to show you guys what I did and and how we can help you watch a match or help you understand a team how they're playing and how and understand a player how they play. Um, so before when we start when we start to watch a match, what I like to do is to know a little bit about the team and, and the players. It's always good to, to know uh, some history on the, on the team, how, how they're doing in the season, how they've played before, what's their results been, um, you know, a little bit about the players, who has been playing a lot, who hasn't been playing a lot. So these, these just having doing a little bit of a, a background check, you can say, on the team. It's also interesting to know uh, the coaches and who the coaches are, where they're from, how they coach the team, what's their the previous um, work that they've done. Yeah, so it just gives you a good foundation, a, a bit of a, a background check and, and some theory on the team before the game actually starts. Now, most of, most of us, you know, when we watch a match, we watch a match because we support that team, um, most people. So we're watching it from a fan's perspective. There might be some players and coaches. Uh, some coaches will watch matches because they want to see what that coach is going to do against that team or they want to see how two good teams will battle each other and to see who the, the winning. So they're watching a tactical, a tactical bout. Um, and then some people watch it for certain players. So a lot of kids probably watch, they'll watch a Barcelona game because they want to see Messi play. They'll watch a Juve game because they want to see uh, Ronaldo play. Um, is there a difference between all those type of perspectives into why one would watch the game and how does that influence um, them watching that game? Yes, there is. And I think you you already answered the sort of the first step, right? Is The first step is to understand why you're watching the game. Either you're watching it as a fan or you're watching it because you want to analyze your team play or you're watching it because you want to analyze the opponent's play or you're watching just because you want to see two teams battle it out. So it's a really good idea to to understand why you're watching the team play. You could also just be watching it because you love the sport and that's that's okay too, you know. Um 
And that makes a big difference as to how you're going to watch the game. Because if you're watching it as a fan, you might just be watching sort of the good moments, the bad moments, not really taking in why they're doing things, but just rooting for the best of your team, right? Just wanting them to, to do their thing, play the way they play, and win the game, and everybody's happy. But if you're watching it more on a, on a technical side, as being a coach or players doing an analysis, now you're going to not just look at the scoreboard every time, but you're going to watch sort of what happens in between the scoreboards and, and what's going to, uh, the details of the games, the, the more nuances of the, of the game and what's really affecting the game and why is the game being played in this way. So there's a lot more, a little bit of details in, uh, in each moment, each second of the game that you're going to be watching and analyzing uh, as opposed to when you're watching it as a fan. Yeah. And then obviously what we know is uh, the first thing that comes up before a game starts is the commentary will bring up the formations of, of both teams uh, and who is playing, who is not playing, who's on the bench. Why is that important for us, the viewer? Yeah, so the, the formation is a good, it's an interesting uh, uh, place to start because what it tells you is it sort of uh, gives you a starting position of the team. It sort of tells you a starting formation of a, uh, a, a starting setup, a starting uh, sort of like the, um, the, as an architecture, putting down the foundations and the skeleton of the building. That sort of tells you what, what's going to give you as a formation. Uh, if you think about it as a, a relay team running a, a 400-meter race, usually um, they, they're not always going to put the, last, the fastest runner on the last leg of the, of the race. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But they also may choose guys that are a little bit faster or a little bit slower in, in different parts of the, of the race. So it just gives you, uh, it puts the players in the positions where they might uh, start their best action, but then when the game goes on, then we're going to see how they might change that action through the game. So it just gives you a good starting point as to know where the players are and where the players do, uh, are going to be. But I will say that sometimes coaches and managers will put out a formation to also trick the other team. They will put out a formation to show to maybe put one midfielder in one position and then turns out in the game that they're playing a different position. So then you can see if the coach is also playing some, some mind games or some mind tricks, things like this. So, so it's a very interesting place to, to start. Is it, is, it, is it more safe to assume that the starting formation of a team is more or less their offensive formation? Um, that they're going to play in a game more than the defensive formation? I wouldn't say either. I would say the starting position is probably where they will start when uh, the ball is getting kicked off. Because what you'll notice is that when they are playing, the formations change. And in fact, a team might have two or three formations depending on when they are attacking, when are they are defending, where the ball is in different scenarios. So it's not really safe to say where the formation is when they are attacking or defending. It's sort of just a reference point as to where 
they are going to begin the game, but it doesn't tell you the story as how the game will going to go, and you cannot really make predictions from that game, from that from the formation. Okay, so the kickoff happens, the game happens. What is the first thing that you're looking at? So when the game happens, it's very interesting in because in the first 10 to 15 minutes, you're not really going to get what, uh, you're not really going to be told how the game is going to go. And this is because teams like to start in, in different ways. Some teams will be a bit more aggressive and some teams will be a bit more conservative. And this is the interesting things to see. Some teams like to intimidate their opponents at first and some teams uh, like to try to play sort of a cat and mouse game where they're going to sit back and, and allow the other team to, to come at them first. So it's, a, it's, it's just an interesting dynamics to see how a team is going to start, how they want to present themselves, you know, as, as, like, as a first impression. But then it doesn't really tell you who they are uh, from the get-go. It just gives you a sort of like how they want to make their first impression on the game. And 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 what about that first impressions? What does it tell us about about maybe that team or maybe that coach? Are they is it indicating to us that they're going to be very aggressive in this game? Or what type of characteristics can we derive from that first? Well, 10, there, there, there are many things that you can you can derive. And I, I won't tell you necessarily what it means, but I'll tell you, I'll just give you a few scenarios. Say, uh, for example, a home team is playing at home and they have a lot of fans and they're playing against their rival team. Even though they might be a weaker team compared to their rivals, they might start out aggressively because they want to show that they are up for this game, they're going to fight, they're not going to back down to their rivals and, and so on. Let's flip it now. Let's say a very good team is going to go play against a weaker team, but they're playing away. But they know that the weaker team, because they're playing home, will be a bit more confident. So now they, the stronger team in the first five minutes, that might be a bit more conservative to make sure that they don't give up a goal and give the opponents momentum in the start. However, you could also be a strong team and playing in, 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 against an opponent that's equally as strong. And you're going to go away and because you want to upset them in their own home field, you're going to start extra aggressively so that you can unbalance them in their own home field. So what it tells you is the, how the coaches or how the players are ready to prepare for this game, how they want to come across in the first five minutes. But it's all really dipping, depending on the situation and the scenario of the team and the fans and, and the opponents. Mm, that's a good point. Okay, so the game goes, we, we're past the 15... 15 minute mark uh we're starting to uh see a little bit of more of the rhythm of both teams what are you looking at so now this is where the game gets a bit more interesting because you're going to see that both teams got in their rhythm and now you're starting to see patterns on the field so i'm looking at the different patterns that are going on during the game i'm looking at the patterns because usually as a team when the team is uh performing these patterns can see what they have been practicing. And this is what you want to look at. It's because a lot of the times as fans of the games, we always may have questions and like, why is this guy not playing? Why is this person not passing the ball? Why is he not dribbling? And what you see in these patterns is that you sort of see what the team has been practicing. And because as fans, we don't get to see how the team practices, 
it can give you an idea of what their game plan for this game will be. So you're kind of putting yourself in the practice scenario and you're kind of being in the, in the locker room with the team to see what is their game plan as to how they're going to try dismantle this team in front of them. So these patterns that you're seeing is, is sort of like the team philosophy, the team setup, the team strategy as to how they're going to go about to beat this the, the opponent. So I'm looking and at the you, patterns, how they're passing the ball, how they're moving, etc. Yeah. And you're also watching the opposition as well. Of course. No boxer can tell you that they, they go in the ring and they're only going to focus and throw punches on themselves. I don't believe that there's any boxer that does it. Because every boxer has to also uh, think about how the, the, the boxer that they're facing is going to throw a counter punch and they also have to play defense. It's the same way as the, uh, when you're walking into a soccer match. I may be watching my team play the way they play, but I also have to see how the opponent is reacting to that. Because it's how the opponents react to that is how my team's going to decide if what we're doing is working or if what we're doing is not working and we may have to change the plan. Mm. And now, at this point, how can you, how can you highlight um, the players that are starting to influence the game? So when you're watching the, the opposition, when you're watching your team play, you will notice that you'll see throughout these patterns that you'll start to see some common clues, some common themes throughout the game. When you can identify these common themes, you will start to realize which players are influencing the game. Soccer is, is almost like uh, American football or basketball where they have quarterbacks and a, uh, a point guard. And these point guards are the guys who really decide or paint a, a foundation as to how the team is going to attack, how they're going to defend. And soccer is the same thing. There are usually three, two to three guys on the team that are really dictating how the team plays. And these are the guys who are usually on the ball a lot, who are usually the ones who are communicating the most, are usually the ones who are playing in the spine of the team. The spine of the team is when we talk about the middle positions of the team, meaning uh, I always look at it as the, the, the center defenders, the center midfielders, and the central strikers. These are the guys that usually are the ones that are making the most uh, influence on the team and are dictating how the team is going to play because everybody else works from, from their movement. And then as you're doing that, um, you know, most of the time when people are watching a match, mm. they tend to just focus on the person on the ball. But we know that the person on the ball will make decisions based on the options that they have. Mm -hmm. So what should, be we, what should a viewer be looking at really? Well, I sort of look at it as when you're watching a match, if you can try to train yourself to spend 30% of the time watching the player with the ball, and 70% of the time watching the players without the ball, that will paint a really strong picture as to who or, and how the game is going to be dictated. The way that you can do that is, let me paint you a scenario. If I'm driving in, on the highway, and you're looking at me drive from, from, a, from a bird's eye view, for example, if you focus on me driving, you can see, okay, uh, Coach Yannick is a good driver. And then if you take your lens back a bit, you'll be able to see maybe 
the immediate cause around me and you'll see, okay, why I am staying in my lane. And then if you go back a bit even more, you'll be able to see maybe the oncoming traffic that I'm going through. Why am I choosing to to overtake someone? Why am I choosing to stay in my lane and, and not to overtake someone? And it's giving you more clues as to why I'm driving. If you take the lens a bit even more, you'll be able to see the speed limit. You'll be able to see the road that's coming ahead. You'll be able to see my destination. And it's sort of the same way as how you're watching a soccer match. When you only focus on one player, you can only see what the player is doing, but you don't necessarily understand why they are doing that. As you start to take the lens back back more and you can see the whole field a bit more, now you can start to see why the player is making this type of decision. Why he's choosing to pass and not dribble. Is it because of the, the effect of the opponents or is it because their teammate is in a better space to get the ball? and so forth and so forth. So it gives you sort of the reason as to why the player is doing these things. He's making certain certain decisions. Yeah. So, so you know, you have that type of information uh, now as a viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of looking around the person with the ball, the first attacker, and you're figuring out exactly. So the, how, do you, how do you go about now watching the game when you have that information? Do you start to dictate potentially where that person can play the ball? Uh, as you're noticing the patterns of certain people's runs and certain people's retraction runs, et cetera, et cetera. Can you, can, you, but can you predict where the ball is going to go? I wouldn't say that you, you can predict where the ball is going to go, but I will say that uh, you can sort of um, have a good educated guess as to where they're going to play. You also have to understand um, the team's philosophy, right? How a team's characteristics are to playing. So when you understand their the, the patterns of how they're playing, then you can sort of understand um, where their ball is going to go or where or what is the gameplay that they are trying to do. Where are they trying to, to attack and how they are going to attack. You might see that some teams like Barcelona, for example, they like to play short, quick passes. So you can somewhat uh understand that they that they're going to play quick short passes in 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 the midfield in the in the wide areas to try and break down the opposition and then you might see like other teams for example maybe some some english teams or some other teams that might play a little bit longer passes and they're going to use these longer passes because they have maybe fast players or something like this and they're going to see this is how they, they you can they're going to make the pass and, and beat the the opponents so you, you, you can sort of understand why they're making decisions, how they're going to make the decision, and what their strategy is to beat the team. And you, and you will be able to sort of guesstimate, let's say, how they're going to go about doing it. Okay. But I will say that after that, then also comes the, the quality of the players. Some players might just surprise you and, and make a surprising pass or something. Like this. And this is the beauty of why we like the sport, right, is that it's not predictable is that some players like Lionel Messi will maybe pass the first time and then in the second time he's going to try to take on three players and, and score by himself. And this is why we love watching these types of, these types of players. Because they, they unbalance the structure. Of yeah, the they, they really unbalance the, the idea of, of, the, of the game and, and the predictability of the game. They do things that, that you wouldn't think they might be doing. And this is the, the magic that they, that they bring to the sport. So how so how do you how do you differentiate between a player individually making a mistake and 
the team tactic just not working. I mean, obviously we know that if 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 a player takes a shot and the goalkeeper fumbles the ball and the ball goes in the back of the net, we understand that it was just a goalkeeper's technical mistake. But if a team is playing another team and this team is scoring goals, how do you how can you recognize that the team tackers is not working or is it just one player that's not that's not doing the job? Well, let's let's backtrack from what you said because you said something really interesting, and I think um, I think it was Johan Cruyff who said it best: is that a soccer is a game of uh, team two teams playing against each other, but the team that makes the most mistakes is the one that's going to lose. So, in your example, where you say where a player is shooting the ball and the goalkeeper is trying to catch it and fumbles it, and then uh, the opposition strikers manage to score from the fumble, you have to try to backtrack and ask yourself why was it that the player was able to take that first shot in the first place there have there must have been mistakes made before that play to sh- to allow the striker to take the shot on the goalie in the first place when we're talking about defending if i can stay with this example you are defending to stop the shots you're defending to get the ball back and to score so if the opposition has the opportunity to take a shot on you, you have made mistakes in your defending. So making these decisions, whether the play, the play was tactical or it was technical, you can see, you have to understand the mistakes that came before that. Now, for example, that could have been a tactical mistake where a team was able to build up an attack and able to take a shot on your goal. It could be a tactical mistake. But if you have, let's say you're playing against a Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, who is dribbling three players and then going to score, that could be a defensive technique mistake, for example. So we have to try to see the, the, what happens before the grand action as to where the mistake happened and try to minimize these mistakes before you reach to the, the big problem. As much as possible. So, so then how does the coach go into making substitutions? What, 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 what does a, a substitution of a player do uh, for the game? Well, substitutions, apart from it being from injury or uh, fatigue aspect, uh, injury um, substitutions are there for you to sort of impact the game after a certain amount of minutes. It allows you to sort of change your strategy or t- change the personnel of your strategy so that you can uh, use that a different strategy or use the same strategy with more intensity. A substitution in a matter of changing the strategy could allow you to change your formation, change your, your game plan, change the way that you're going to attack or defend by bringing on players that might have the, uh, the qualities that you need to change your strategy. A substitution as to changing the personnel to have more intensity in the same strategy could be because a player is is tired after 60 minutes. It could be because a player that you put out to do the, the strategy in the first place was not performing at his best in that moment. So it could factor different things. You also bring on um, uh, substitutions because you also have to worry about the opposition. Maybe the opposition has already figured out what you're doing and you need to bring on another player to execute the strategy in a different way. And this can give you a bit of versatility in your attack or versatility in your defending. So these, the substitution is be used to manipulate the game in your favor. 
whether it's to being a, 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 ta a tactical things for offense or a tactical thing for defense. Okay. So with all this knowledge that you're processing in your mind, I think a lot of, I, again, I, I have to re reiterate that mm. you have to train yourself to watch a game like this. Uh, so you have to do a little bit of, you have to educate yourself a little bit um, in order to, to see the game in this way, uh, which most fans, I mean, a lot of fans will be, will have this type of information because of the fact that they watch the, the team in a consistent basis. So they know these things uh, already and they'll be able to do it. But as you're processing this game, um, are you literally thinking about all these things at every single play, every single touch of the ball of each player? You're thinking about all these things as you're watching the game? No, I don't think that it is possible to to see all of these things when you just watch the game once. I think that even when you watch the best managers, they have performance staff and, and, and match analysis staff. Who are the players or the guys who will re-watch the game maybe once or twice again to really get an analysis of the game. While you're watching the game, you kind of have to do the best you can because you don't get to rewind. You don't necessarily get a second chance at, at watching the game live you have to sort of just try the best train yourself to try to see the different parts of the game the different sides of the game while the game is going on it does take a lot of practice yes but once you can start to identify the the causes uh, uh and and the 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 characteristics of the game you will be able to notice the patterns the the characteristics why this is happening the surprises or the predictability part of the game and you'll be able to sort of make decisions while you're watching the game like this. And I think that makes for a more interesting watch of a game. I think it helps the, yeah. the, the fans understand why the game is going like this. So you're just not just left um, distraught because your team is lost, has lost the game or you're just happy just because your team won the game. You can understand why they won or how they won the game. Yeah, I mean, that's... You make good points. I mean, that's the reason why, you know, the VAR is part of the game now because the referee cannot see everything and exactly. they inside the game. So Exactly. Uh, Even so, the officials need help to to rewind and to, to have a second, third look at uh, how the game is going because the game is just too fast for everybody. Too fast to watch the naked eye. Yeah. All right. So last question I'm going to ask you. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. Um, I'm going to give you a scenario. So you have a 10-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. He's in love with soccer, plays for a travel soccer team. Um, and you're sitting, you're sitting with him, you're sitting with this boy and you're about to watch a match. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you tell? Just literally give us the script that you would tell this boy or girl. Okay, that's a very interesting scenario. And I think this is a scenario for most uh, parents and players that in, in uh, young players that want to play and, and parents that want to sort of help their, their kids become better. And the first thing that I would say if I, if I had a, a young player watching the game is the first thing I would also just point out is that just the formation, the formation as to, to how the team is going to play and help the kid understand, oh, the different positions that the kids are playing. So, oh, this player is starting formation is a right midfield. This player's starting formation is a left midfield. This player's starting formation is a center back, for example. So that the kid can understand um, the different roles of the players that they're going to have before the game. After that, then I will try to pick a player 
or two players and try to see and, and focus on them for a game. It's easier when you're starting to watch a game is to focus on one player than it is to focus on the whole team. But when you can start by identifying one player, uh, let's say I'll choose the center midfielder, and I'll just watch the center midfielder, what are they doing with and without the ball? Is he passing or is he dribbling? Is he, why is he moving into this space and that place? If you can start to watch one player and then maybe the second game afterwards, I will now then build like a building block, say, okay, I'm going to watch the center midfielders and now the center backs and how those two work together. And then you can start building it up like that. I think it's important when you're watching game with kids is to show them how the player is doing with the ball, but more importantly, without the ball. I think players spend about under two minutes or three minutes if you're very, very uh, on the ball a lot throughout the whole 90 minutes of a game. So most of the game is played without the ball. And I think that's where the intelligence of a, of a player comes in. So if you can try to start to speak to the, the young player as to how the player is behaving without the ball. Are they making runs? Are they coming short? And, and what are they doing uh, when they don't have the ball is the things that you're starting to watch more and more and more. Yeah. And then just last question as we, as we, as we end this episode. Again, I know I said last question before that, but, um, you know, during this time where we're in a pandemic and stuff like that, and you know we cannot go outside, so we can really take this time to to watch old matches and stuff like that. Sort of, what is your advice to to players and coaches in terms of watching games? How many should they be watching uh, a game a day? How many games they should be watching? What should they be looking for in the game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, during this time? I think, yeah, I think un, under these unfortunate times that we we actually have uh, a lot of tools and a lot of free tools that you can use online to, to, to help you become a bit more intelligent in the game. In these moments, teams and coaches and players can really practice their, their tactical knowledge and tactical understanding of games and how, and how they work now. And you can take the time to sort of break down uh, how teams play and how they played before. In, in big games and how uh, a players play and, and the roles of a certain player on the team. I think it's a good exercise to, to take uh, matches that you could maybe find on YouTube or other platforms and to watch them and try to see if you can identify the team's um, shape, the team's structure, the team's um, how they're playing and how you can break it down. I like doing an exercise where I won't, uh, for the beginning of the game, I won't look at the formation. I will just start to watch the game and try to figure out what the formation was that the coach set out in the first place. That's a good exercise you can do. Another good exercise that you can do is maybe is to watch a team play and then you can sort of try to predict in your mind what the coach is going to do um, at the certain minute or what substitutions he should make or try to come up with a game plan for the team that's, that's uh, playing right now. So you can have these different exercises for, for young players and for, for coaches to try and help educate themselves more in the games, educate their players more in the game, and get a bit more of a tactical understanding as to and become better uh, on and off the field. Yeah. Kojanik, thank you so much. Uh, technical Director of the French Football Academy in New York. This was how to watch a soccer, a, a soccer match. Um, I think we have a lot of time right now where we can do that and apply some of those techniques 
in order to help us analyze the game better and get a better experience as a coach, player, or even just as a fan. Coach Yannick, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Good luck for the show again. Thank you for listening to the VAR Booth Podcast. If you like this episode, please rate it, subscribe to our podcast, and comment your thoughts on the topic.